This is Music on Repeat, a podcast where I talk to people about the songs that impacted their taste in music. You can find me on iTunes and Stitcher under the name Music on Repeat or online and on Instagram at musiconrepeat.io. I'm your host, Susie Q. Hey everyone, welcome back to Music on Repeat. Yes, you heard me right. I am back with my podcast. I know it's been a super, super long time since you've heard from me, but I am here, I'm alive, and I am ready to give you more amazing content. Um, Obviously, times have changed. We are in uh, quarantine as we speak, so it's a bit different than last time. This is the first podcast I am recording virtually. But I'm excited. I think it's going to work out great. So without further ado, Max, are you there? <laughs> Hi, I am here. Do I have you on the line? You do. You got me straight from my bedroom. Amazing. In full quarantine. Um, so my guest today is a very special guest, as I always say about my guests. They're all special in their own way. Max Gaylor, hailing from, what's that little small town you're from? Studley. We can, just say, we can just say Birmingham if you want. No, I think Studley's cooler. And just so you know, ladies, Max himself is not Studley at all. <laughs> in case you were wondering. There used, that used to be like the line when, um, when I was growing up, up was saying, you know, you put the stud in Studley. No, you're all right. You're, you're all right. Trying my best. <laughs> okay, so Max Gaylor is a musician. Would you call yourself that? I want to so much, but I don't think it's fair. Okay, well, you're you're a writer and you're a musician. Well, like a word writer, yeah. not a music writer. Yeah, but I mean, you write I've music been, as well. I've been paid to play music and I've been paid to write, so we, we can say those things. Okay, and since my last podcast, which was, I think, last March 2019, now we're May 2020, I have changed jobs, and that means that I have a whole new set of people to tap for my podcast, because if you've listened to all my episodes, you know that most of my guests are colleagues, because I work with a lot of really cool people that are really into music. So Max is one of the, the new colleagues that's super into music. Yeah. in these, in these, If you join a startup, you've got to be prepared for everyone to secretly be a DJ. <laughs> exactly. I think that's kind of... And I think everyone pretty much is, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, you saw the talent competition. That is true. We had a talent competition at our company. It was all online because of quarantine. It was quite impressive. I got a couple names for guests after that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Max. So just tell us a bit about yourself. Okay. I am a writer. Uh, let's say music journalist um, slash copywriter living in Barcelona. I'm from England, but I was born and raised in Australia. So that's why I have a twang. And I'm probably putting on more of an accent for the podcast because I want to sound exotic and cool. You're putting um, on an Australian accent. <laughs> I think I'm letting the twang out a bit more, which is another great sentence. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I've been doing music journalism for about four years. And that's kind of consisted of jumping about between different magazines. And then I've done some video work as well and photography including like shooting live concerts, recording live concerts. And um, now, yeah, I've been in Barcelona for three years doing a mix of that and copywriting. Amazing. And I must Mm -hmm. say out of everyone I know, I guess in Barcelona, maybe not everyone, but most people, you're one of the um, most musically minded people 
I have met. You're oh. you're so obsessed with music, <laughs> just like me. And that's actually how we bonded in the beginning. That uh, is 100% a true. Love of music. So tell us a little bit about your music journalism. So it started off when I was in university in London. I uh, was really interested in a music scene in England, which was like a an underground math rock scene and hardcore. And when you are in that scene, it comes along with lots of underground media websites because Pitchfork and Consequence and Dazed aren't posting about your favorite bands. So I was uh, reading a lot of small websites, namely Musical Mathematics, which was the first company I ever wrote for. I literally reached out to them and was like, hey, I want to go see my favorite bands for free and I want to write about it and I'm doing journalism. And they were like, okay, cool, come on board. Um, And then from there... I worked for them for a while and then I moved kind of up and up and eventually started working for a company called Punktastic, which are still going. Um, And they cover much more like rock, punk, um, UK, US, kind of smaller scenes. And then from then I started to work for different kind of cultural magazines. I started working for Huck, which is a UK based kind of radical culture magazine. I did a few interviews for them. And then I started doing things for Independent in the UK, a couple of things with them. And then I eventually moved to work with Consequence of Sound a year later, which is a US, big US social mm-hmm. media kind of based uh, thing, doing a lot of video work for them and a couple of reviews here and there. And nowadays I'm working for Line of Best Fit, which is a UK magazine. I've done interviews for them for like two years now and uh, they're very good to me. That is amazing. Well, it sounds like you have a lot of experience and... <laughs> I really want to get some hot goss a little bit later about who are (laughs) the best and worst people to interview. You said earlier, I don't know if this was on record or not, Mm. that you have never been in an interview. You're only used to doing interviews. Yeah, it's exciting. I tell you what, with Line of Best Fit, we do these kind of interviews, which I think you and I have spoken about before, called Nine Song Interviews. And they're super popular with a lot of magazines where yeah. yeah, you just kind of grab an artist and say, listen give us nine songs that have kind of shaped your your music taste so it was really fun when you asked the idea of you asking me to do this because i do so many of those interviews and i've always wanted to be on the other side perfect yeah i I get to do it now i've got so many good lines saved up so the interviewer becomes the interviewee it's nice i'm excited okay well that is a perfect segue for us to go into your first song so i'm going to play the song and then we're going to talk about it okay go for it yes Right. Well, believe it or not, I think that is the first time I have ever had a Michael Jackson song on my podcast. So obviously, very controversial figure. <laughs> yeah, I I think since you started doing this podcast, things have yeah, things have gone sour for Michael, but we can't deny his huge contribution to music. So, what is that song? Tell us about it and why did you choose that particular Michael Jackson song, which, to be 100% honest with you, when you told me the song, 
it didn't immediately i didn't know the words or the melody no. or anything i mean i'm not gonna sit here and pretend it's one of his like deep cuts or b-sides um it's not it, it was the it was the it's his highest charting song in the uk ever um, okay yeah so it did six weeks in the uk that might be why it played a bigger role in my life than maybe people from the u.s but um the reason i chose this song was because i was raised on michael jackson like i listened to it non-stop growing up and this was one of the songs that me and my brothers used to just listen to non-stop and we used to watch the video all the time um i was born in 93 and this song came out november 27th 1995 so i will have you know it's been around my whole life and um the reason I wanted this song was because Michael Jackson wrote a lot of his songs, but he also had mm-hmm. a lot of others written by him. And I think his best songs were maybe Earth Song and Man in the Mirror. But the difference is Michael Jackson wrote and produced this song. He did not write Man in the Mirror. Okay. So this song obviously has a personal meaning for you, but do you think it is the best Michael Jackson song? I think it's the best song in the world, not just the best Michael what? Jackson song. I'm Whoa. in a constant quest. Hold the phones you think it's the best song in the world so here's the thing music is objectively subjective but that is true. i that is think true. that i think that this song is objectively the best song in the world okay coming from someone like you who listens to everything and you're the first to tell me about new music stuff that comes out which i'm really grateful for but mm. you obviously listen to so much music all the time this is your favorite song ever yeah i think Something I try and think about whenever I listen to a new song and I think whether it's good or not, I mean, there's like obviously what sounds good, what sounds bad to my ears, but there's like a few criteria, I think. Um, And one thing I think about is this pushing music forward, like is music better off with this song and is it or is it just recycling things that have already been done? Okay. And so there's that and there's also like, is this the right time to release this song? So, for example, I think Earth Song was released at the perfect time. He did a lot of songs like Heal the World and They Don't Really Care About Us. And he wrote a lot of kind of political and socially and environmentally interesting songs. Right. But Earth Song was kind of like one of the last ones he did. And it was a kind of amalgamation of all he'd learned through these songs. And it was like, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to write the biggest ballad. Like, it's like this operatic blues song that just, it goes on forever. It's his longest number one ever. The song, okay, the song. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's not his longest <laughs> running. I think that's like Beat It or Thriller, but he, yeah, this is his longest ever number one single. It's it's nearly seven minutes long, and that's really long, that's especially really by long. today's standards. That would yeah. never happen. Right. So, like, this song was no. number one for six weeks in the UK. It beat the Beatles' first single in 25 years to the number one spot. Wow. Why do you think it resonated more in the UK than other places? I, I really want to say it's because <laughs> we care more, but that's not a door. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the reason it was bigger over in the UK was because I think they pushed the song way harder over here. Right. I think they kind of saw the market um, in the UK as being a bit more vulnerable to this kind of thing. And I mean, when I think about a lot of good songs and nowadays I have to think about the music video as well. And Earth Song was one of those songs that the music video was outrageously powerful. And it spoke a lot about indigenous tribes being uprooted and rainforests being cut down and, you know, poverty and famine and all these things. And it kind of put it together into this huge ballad. And I think for some reason in the UK, that was something we enjoyed watching without <laughs> feeling as guilty. being cut down. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying that England doesn't also do their things, but I think it just hit, it hit much harder in the UK. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, it's sometimes inexplicable why things are more popular in one place and not another. But that's fair enough. And musically speaking, what do you think makes this song stand out? 
So I used to be in a band, of course, and when Ooh. very cool, I used to be a drummer in a band, and I remember we were recording. Oh, yeah. at, we were recording at Vader Studios, which is a studio actually that's really near where I grew up in Stratford upon Avon, and that studio is very famous. Like Adele has recorded there, Robbie Williams, lots of very famous people, and uh, I remember the producer. I was we were in the practice studio, and we were kind of like showing the producer songs we'd written and asking him which ones he thought were worth recording, and he kind of said, "Listen." This, I think this song's best for this reason. He said, songs have to hit every gear. And I've got a lot of time for songs that stay at one gear or ride one gear out, but I do feel that so much that every song should have a gear one, two, three, four, and five. The song starts off and it's very, very, very soft. There's literally a piano, some strings, and Michael. And it builds up and up and up and up and up and up and up so much. This song goes on for so long that you're just kind of like, I can't believe he's still got things to say. Right, there's more, right. there's more place to go. And it's also got one of the not just in my opinion but one of the the written out and decided best key changes in the history of music i think it the i think it's in a g sharp key the song and then they go up to a b flat key which is i mean that's a whole tune up and it's just such a perfect time to do it i think it's one of the best pieces of kind of a songwriting that's out there Okay. Obviously, when you were a kid, you probably <laughs> weren't thinking that. No, not <laughs> at all. As a kid singing with your family. But one thing I do remember you telling me about your family is that your family's super musical. And you said the cutest thing the other day. <laughs> do you know what it is? <laughs> is it about happy birthday? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I come from a pretty musical family. My older brother's kind of the person who shaped my music taste more than my dad. But my dad was very into Michael Jackson. He was very into Rush and he was very into classic rock, Rolling Stones. Rush, shout out to Canadian bands. Shout out to Rush. Yeah, Neil Peart was the, was the reason that my dad wanted me to play drums. So. Oh, that's Rest amazing. Rest in peace, Neil. Yeah, he passed away recently. Yeah, yeah I think it was Rest in peace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that, it's very interesting, that song. Yeah, when I was a kid, I just uh, was very interested in it, but not because my family was musical, but we do have a musical family now i've got a an older brother who sings and plays guitar i play drums and things i've got a little brother who plays bass and we've got a little family band we used to have called the jam jar and, <laughs> and my mum sings in a choir and it means that when we sing happy birthday to one another or to anyone we all have our five-part harmony that we do then you guys practice this i don't know how it happened i think what happened was we were doing one and my older brother is very, 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 um, he loves attention. He's amazing. Okay. More, more than you? Whoa, God, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. He's, but he's very talented. Like, he's, incredibly, he's an incredible singer, incredible musician. So he's always singing nonstop. And, okay. And, like, going for it. Like, we'd go to concerts and he'd be, like, doing trills and runs during the concert. And, yeah, one day we're singing <laughs> Happy Birthday. And he just went for it. And we were like, you know what, this actually sounds pretty good. And then we all kind of figured out our own little bit ad-libs <laughs> that's amazing i want to be at your house on my next birthday it's fantastic we should start recording and charging actually remember i you think you told me your dad has the same birthday as me so yes he does maybe you can <laughs> somehow work it in zoom you into the room yeah, when the i next the next birthday celebration well sadly i reckon um by 16th of june Yep, you know it. Um, we'll be... Um, yes, I know my dad's birthday. Um, I reckon by then we'll, I'm not going to be with my dad, so I'll... Well, you'll uh, be on Zoom. We'll be on Zoom, so maybe yeah, I'll, I'll let my dad and family know. Listen, Susie Q's going to jump on for a second. Yeah. But this podcast <laughs> will have been out by then. They'll know yeah. me. They'll feel like they really want, <laughs> they really want to participate in wishing me a happy birthday. Incredible. 
Okay, amazing. All right, so shall we go on to your next song then? Yeah, I mean, let's do that, because otherwise I'm going to go on about Michael Jackson forever. I was a massive fan. I had tickets to his last tour. Very sad that he died. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I know. Very sad indeed. Mm -hmm. You hadn't seen him before that? No, I was very, very excited. And then my mum decided to not wait till I was out of the shower to tell me. So she literally shouted through the door of the bathroom, Max, Michael Jackson just died. And I was in the best place to hear that news, because... (laughs) <laughs> oh my god just... did you just break down in the shower i was very upset i was i was nowhere near as upset as i was when prince died but i was very uh, very shook which spoiler alert so you did not choose mm. a prince song for your yeah. next song but no. you you were contemplating you did tell me you almost chose prince but then you thought i can't have michael jackson and mm. prince because then you seem a bit basic yeah exactly <laughs> the two of the yeah and i want i as a as a as a music writer i want to show that i listen to different things but yeah my, prince is my favorite artist of all time and despite i thinking earth song is the best song in the world let's go crazy by prince is my favorite song in the world and just i think okay he's, i think he's magic but yeah okay but that's not going to be the next song that no we play okay so let's play that one and see what it is Okay. Okay, Max. Um, so that was not Prince. Who was that? That was um, Julian Baker, who um, I love very much with a song called Something. Okay, and tell us about that song and Julian Baker. Yeah, so this is... Um, I could have chosen any song off this album, to be honest with you. This is off an album called Sprained Ankle, which mm-hmm. she put out in 2015 as an EP. And then when she was picked up by a label, she re-released it in 2016 as an album. So was that her first release? It was Sprained her first angle. album. Yeah, she was because in... Because she's um, quite young, right? She's... She is young. She's 24 now. So she was 20 right. when she released... Right, It was okay, 19 so... when she first released it. She was in a band before, but then she wrote this song while she was studying at university and wrote this album and then it got picked up. Okay. And um, I chose something... Michael Jackson isn't as like this is like a much more like personal story. Earth Song is, I think, it's incredible from like a musical perspective, whereas Something is like a very... Um, it's like it's a breakup song and it's like normally i just kind of cringe at breakup songs but this is one where like it really got me okay um and it was i don't f- mean to yeah sorry i'm not trying to laugh at I, your yeah uh, <laughs> at your heartbreak no 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 it's good it's good to be accepting of it but it's the first song i ever cried while seeing live ever the first concert i ever cried at yeah and wasn't that just last year or that was Two years ago, yeah. Two okay. years ago in September. Yeah. I, so, yeah, growing up and going to, like, four or five gigs a week, I never cried because I was just going to hardcore gigs and, and like, right. rock gigs. And nothing, none of them were affecting me like that. But, yeah. But also, were you going to these gigs for work or were you going no. for pleasure? No. always, always Almost always pleasure growing up. And then it okay. was only when I moved to London that I started doing it for work. But even then, I would exclusively choose ones I liked. Okay. So, why? <laughs> but why Julian Baker? Why? What hit that chord for you? So without self-promoting, um, <laughs> self-promote I, 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 all you want. 
good. Um, I interviewed her two years ago. When, oh um, shit! Yeah, for Huck, um, I spoke to her in September, twenty eighteen, and um, she said had some really wonderful things to say. She's she's very special. She's um she's she's gay and she comes from a very um religious background and she still is um religious herself and it's very interesting how she kind of battles with these things and she writes about mental health she writes about um substance abuse and she's so young and she's kind of battled with all these things already and she does it in such like a vulnerable way she's she's so blunt with the way she writes songs and um this album specifically is literally just her like someone produced it but it's just her and a guitar or her and a piano there's no like over the top production it's just like the kind of thing that she could pick up a guitar and play it to you and it would sound the same as the album right she's just okay a, so it's very it's like just, um bare bones kind of pure emotion she's, so, and... she's just so vulnerable it's so, yeah. like it's sad but she's not sad she's not sad no she's not sad i think uh it was either my interview or someone else's interview where someone asked her to explain her music and she said the issue is everyone thinks it's such sad music but I think the thing about music is I'm talking about sad things, but if you meet me, you see I'm such a happy person. And I think that's kind of, uh, that mm. speaks volumes about like how you don't have to be sad if you think sad right. things. Okay, fair enough. I read a lot about her because she's kind of the, one of the darlings, the indie darlings, and always she on is. Pitchfork. and <laughs> They love her. Yeah, they love she's, her. She's in the band. She's in Boy Genius, I think. Um, yeah, with um, the two other girls. Yeah, right? Lucy Dacus and Phoebe Bridges, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I mean, they, Pitchfork were like not fans, but they they've been covering her. Like they reviewed her first album and gave it a seven, which is which is decent for for what it is. Um, and for Pitchfork, um, and she's just kind yeah. of yeah. When Boy Genius came out, I think they really jumped on her. She's very yeah. special. So, what um, state were you in when you <laughs> went to see her? Yeah, I will talk. <laughs> I will talk about me crying. Um, so it's funny that that's um, really what we want to know. Like, we want to <laughs> no, know how Max cried, why Max cried. People always talk about crying at concerts, but like a lot of people don't really mean it. And this was one of the times it really got like I was like bawling. It wasn't even like a tear down my face. It was like lip quivering. I was like in bits. Like I was really not having it. Okay, you were okay bawling. Day. Let's say you were yeah. bawling. So I interviewed her in mid September, and then I went to see her uh, like a week later, 29th of September, which is also her birthday. Whoa. Um, so you know her birthday, but you don't know your dad's birthday. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. That's the, that's the pecking order. <laughs> um, my <laughs> work comes first. And then um, basically it was just, I was a, I flew from, I live in Barcelona, like I said, and like you, and I flew to see her. It wasn't for work. I wasn't being paid to go to the show. I mean, they got me into the show, but I wasn't being paid to fly or anything. And I also used to live in London. So I was just kind of nostalgic to be back there. And I'd just recently broken up with my ex and she uh, didn't really like Julian Baker's music. And I really would go on about it all the time. Is that why you guys broke up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was about Julian. It was about Julian. Um, no, it was, it was a, a bunch of other things which we could talk about in, in your, in your yeah, Agony no, Aunt let's, podcast. Let's not go there. But, um... <laughs> and I, without going into too much detail, I'd taken drugs for the first time the night before. Um, oh. Yeah, and I was... Okay. Well, go into more detail. What kind of, what kind of <laughs> so I I was I was in Peckham and I went to the Bussy Building, which is one of my favorite places in London. And I was with a friend of mine who gave me some ecstasy pill. Oh, yeah, and I had half an ecstasy pill, and it would, I had a wonderful time. But I'd stayed up all night because I I was staying at a friend's house and they, I'd lost them, and so I hadn't slept. And I'd kind of built up to this concert so much in my mind, and I had spoken to her the week before about some really intense things about 
responsibility in songwriting you know if you're going to be writing about sad things you need to be prepared for people to say gut-wrenching things to you when you when you meet them and she was singing these songs and they were just so powerful it's like the room was so big and it said it just felt so empty at the same time and it was very like um striking and she this was the song she played something and when she plays it live she uh, really drags it out and you were also me. coming down from so yeah and for anyone who's, who's taken ecstasy you know the next day you're extremely sensitive and you can cry <laughs> about anything and it wouldn't have taken much to make me cry but she she got me real good she got you real good Aww. yeah and i i've always remembered it now and since then i found it a lot easier to cry at concerts so i recommend if anyone <laughs> kind of wants to do it kind of let it happen and then you'll 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 find it way easier <laughs> Okay, so if you do, you yeah. find that you cry more now at concerts. Yeah, I feel like maybe if I don't cry, I get much more emotionally um, into emotional. It. Yeah, because it's kind of like I mean, I'm pretty open. I I don't really hold anything away. But Julian said this thing to me when I interviewed her. She said it's healthy to validate sadness. It's unhealthy to suppress it, but to wallow exactly. in it is just as bad. So I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. So it was one of those things where I was like, you know what? This isn't me suppressing it. This is me kind of being open to it. So concerts are kind of now. I mean, not anymore now in quarantine, but they were a kind of a vessel. Yeah, they're a good place to get it out. Yeah, exactly. Which I know is extremely common and a lot of people do that, but I hadn't really hit that point yet. And it was Well, like I don't know if point. that many people do it, but I think it's good. I think it's good to be in touch with your emotions and to let have a good cry every once in a while. Yeah, we would have had a nice cry at Bonnie Vaux if it had if it had happened. That's true. That was mm-hmm. cancelled a couple weeks ago. Huge bummer. I actually that was I think the first concert that I cried at which was Primavera Sound 2017. I've never seen so many people cry at one concert. Oh my God, it was unreal. <laughs> I was, but mine were like tears of pure joy and amazement, you know, because I, I spent so much time listening to Bonnie Bear and then seeing him perform these songs in front of my face. It was just amazing. Mm. I always get really amazed when I go to live shows. I don't know, it's really hard for me to connect my brain with the fact that I'm seeing the music being made in real time mm. because the way that we listen to music now is very much a kind of insular thing you know like on our headphones in our rooms and it just seems sometimes when you well and especially because music obviously means something to different for everyone which is kind of the whole point of this podcast but when you go to a, a gig and you see someone performing a song that you've literally been listening to in your bedroom on repeat for like weeks and months it's so crazy to me yeah, it's there's something even more rehearsed about listening to recorded songs than like seeing them live. It's it really like personalizes them, puts a face to them. Definitely. Oh. So speaking of you, so you talked about interviewing Julian. So now I want to get to some hot goss. Yeah, let's of do who it. who you've interviewed <laughs> and who was a shit and who was fun and who was annoying and give um, us like your top maybe like your top three and the bottom three or maybe okay that's too let's many. do that. I'm going to start with top three because it's it's nicer. Okay. Um, there's a band called Anti Flag who aren't huge, but they're kind of like a punk um, cult band. And I've totally forgotten the name of the man. I'm so, I feel so bad. I think his name is Andy um, and he's the guitarist. And he is incredible to interview. I've spoken to multiple people who, who are journalists or music writers or have done music journalism and a bunch of them have agreed with me. He's so well read and so kind of convicting when he says things you can tell he's not just kind of like accidentally in a band and wants to look cool like he truly cares like for a punk band to actually be reading every day staying up to date and really having strong opinions that being able to argue yeah 
incredible. But you mean reading about music and up to date about what's going on in music or just in general? Politics. Politics. Oh. Like he, what I really loved was like, I went in there with a bunch of music questions and we ended up just talking about Trump and wow. it was nice. It was really educating for me. Like that was probably one of the interviews I learned the most from. Okay, cool. So that was very fun. Okay, um, number one. That's number one. Um, I had the best chat I've ever had with a musician with um with a guy called Benjamin Francis Lefwich, who oh, is Oh yeah. He's yeah, he's a singer songwriter on Dirty Hit, which is the nineteen seventy five's um record label. And mm-hmm. he is someone I've absolutely adored for so long and yeah. his first album was something that like was really attached to a certain part of my life and it was such a normally when you speak to a musician you can't really be super personal. It's hard to be, but with him yeah. we hit this point where he was just like, I don't I ran out of questions and he was like, I don't want to stop talking. Let's just, let's keep going. And we, I told him about where his album sat in my life. And we talked about a bunch of different things and he was so exciting. And he just finished his kind of rehab and he just, he, he'd written this whole album about his struggle with addiction. It was just, it was so inspiring to hear him speak. Wow. Interesting. I actually yeah. met that guy um, yes. through a friend. Well, she's not a friend anymore. <laughs> So I'm kind of like a bit weary because she was friends with him and she's friends with him. I don't know. But okay, I'll take your word for it because I'm friends with you and you're cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Trust me. He was, I mean, we'll see. Maybe maybe okay. he was just putting it on for me. Okay. Uh, so that was number two. And number three? Yeah. Number three is, I mean, Natasha Bedingfield was really lovely when I spoke to her. She was nice, but she wasn't like anything super memorable. I wanted to put her in this list, but I'd say actually... You just wanted to show off that you've spoken to Natasha no, Bedingfield. She, she, she's going to go in the bottom of three, don't worry. Okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, um, I'm going to say number three is Lewis Capaldi, which is a bit of a name drop, but it's before he got big. I mean, I've been a fan of Lewis Capaldi for so long. Okay. And he's kind of the internet's funny man. He's music's funny man. You know, he's from Glasgow and there's a saying in Glasgow with the stand-up comedians where there's just no work anymore because the musicians are funnier than the comedians. And it, it's arguably true because he's so funny. And I was expecting when I spoke to him, just have a bunch of jokes, be talking about dicks and butts and poop. And I was so ready for that. And the second <laughs> I, we talked about music, he just locked in and he's so interested. And it makes sense that he's so young and so successful because he really had such a wide variety of inspirations and, and tastes. And yeah, he was very, very, okay. very up for it he was so 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 humble and ready to talk nice okay cool i like it okay so now you're bottom three <laughs> bottom three is tough because i'll tell you, i will say this most people are extremely lovely okay um, that's, it's, good. It's, that's good it's easy to think that a lot of them will be a bit uptight but there's only one the person at the bottom list i know who they are and then let's we'll we'll have a talk about the uh, number three uh third worst isn't gonna even be someone that bad i'm just gonna say natasha Bedingfield. Okay. And it's not that she was mean. She was so lovely, but she was just dull. Okay. So there was no, because there was no fire she, in the conversation. No. And she's so media trained and she's done this for so long that when I spoke right, to her, okay. no, no matter how kind of deep I wanted to go, or no matter how intimate the questions would be or fun, she'd always just take the same stance. You know, she doesn't really want to laugh. She doesn't want, you know, she's, she's doing a job rather than it kind of was really hard to fight through that, but she was lovely. <laughs> Okay, so what um, about second worst? So second worst. Um, let me just go back through. I mean, there've been there've been a decent amount. Um, oh, I don't want to be mean to anyone. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to be mean. You can just say. Um, well, okay. actually, yeah, be a little bit mean. Be a bit mean. Okay. Um, I just did this interview as well, so I feel really bad. His album came out today. Ooh. He was again super lovely. But he was much more of like an artist, artist, like ghost poet. He's a guy who's um, had two Mercury Prize nominated albums, which is a big deal in the UK. Okay. Um, is a rapper. 
he's like a poet he's like a poet slash musician he, he hates genres basically he hates genres and he, it's really hard to kind of like talk to him about the music scene because he doesn't have a music scene that surrounds him and he's a bit older and he's been around the block and he's he talks about very intense uh, themes so it meant that i was really hard to break through like he was the kind of person that right. if i didn't ask him an open-ended question i'd get a single word answer like how's how are you good literally i remember i asked him like okay like are you excited about the album he went yeah which oh, God, fair enough yeah. is about isn't the best question but like at the start of the conversation you you don't want to go you know i don't want to start being like so you know like i see you wrote about your mom in this song like i was just kind of trying yeah, to like warm get him up it, a bit warm him up a bit and i could tell he was like i've been asked this question so many times he almost like played me he was like yeah i'm not gonna okay let, he like put me to the test which was kind of nice but also kind of like it got me shaking and made me stumble a bit <laughs> okay <laughs> okay and then and the third the one, worst the people, worst it, easy um easy okay easy peasy i spoke to i don't know if you know who they are anymore but there's a band that they're no longer because they were kind of ousted by some sexual harassment allegations um yes and they are the orwells so i interviewed them in barcelona the orwells Mm -hmm. yeah the orwells they got big from release uh they did a a show on either leno or uh, one of the late night shows and it was very good. Very, very, very good thing. And they kind of uh, did a couple albums and they were promoting their third album. I think it's called Pretty Things. And uh, their singer is famously a dick. Okay. He's called Mario. And um, I'd done loads of research on him, really ready to talk to him about his things. And I remember I turned up and their, their manager was like, hey, uh, Max, this is Mario. And he literally didn't even look at me. Like he put his hand in the air and like kept looking at his phone to what? like kind of let me shake his hand he didn't even shake my hand back he literally like like a prince would you know and they're playing yes. you know they're playing a 300 cap venue in a basement somewhere and that's very impressive still but it was like i wouldn't let many musicians treat me like that <laughs> right exactly and he's not and, he's um, no one special right no one's i mean he thinks he, he thought he was um until all of his allegations came against him and the band so um, what allegations what sexual harassment a bunch of yeah a bunch of young fans had said he'd like kind of you know persuaded them into situations where they felt obliged Horrible. to to have sex with him or do wow. things with him okay, yeah so like, we can I, all hate him now because yeah, he so sexually it's, it's assaulted okay. people yeah. and he treated you like shit during the interview well the thing is we sat down for the interview and i asked him the first question he was like hey i, I i'm not in the mood to do this interview someone else do it and so he just left and the guitarist luckily matt was really nice Okay. And came well, in and like took the interview, but it meant that all my questions were like completely wrong. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. you tried your best. Fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel so bad because the guy who I did interview was was so sweet. That was an that was an amazing show that night though. They they played their set in a sidecar. See their car, as as they say here. <laughs> yeah. Um. And about five songs in, this horrible smell came through like this tiny little dungeon venue we we're in, and like to the point the even mario on stage was like who shit with the door open this is the worst smell i've ever smelled everyone in the room was like gagging and then next thing we know like there's someone at the back of the room with a fire extinguisher trying to put a massive fire out and all of the lights all of the light bulbs in the room just like started smashing that's crazy yeah and the venue like caught on fire and we had to like be we had to run out it was very very rock and roll that could have been dangerous well i'm glad you made it (laughs) glad you made it out alive thanks um okay cool well we are almost out of time but before we go i do want to talk about your music because you're gonna start making some music right oh wow i didn't know we'd talk about this but yes well i mean just let's do some promoting yeah that's what that's what this podcast is for 
I'm promoting is, you, you're promoting me. It's, this is a business, yeah. This is a business. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was I used to play drums in a punk band growing up. Um, I've always played drums, and then I moved to London, stopped playing drums, and I uh, played. I learned piano, and I played synth in a band called Monks in the Woods, and they're still going. And they released a new song today, which everyone should go listen to. They're still going. Monks in the Woods, yeah, still wow. going. Yeah, they've just got a different a different setup now. And then I uh, also did some songs for a couple other musicians in London, and I played some concerts with like me singing on a guitar. And I kind of went away from it for a while because I moved around and now quarantine has given me the space to pick it up again so i'm picking up piano where i left off but my music taste has changed so much now what i want to be making what i am making now is like kind of a mix of like r&b like you have like kind of this new wave of soft r&b like there are artists like toby lou and duckworth and right kind of making this american uh, real slow r&b i mean i love d'angelo and i love like a lot of that kind of like soul neo soul vibe a lot of right. amazing stuff is coming out of korea there's an artist called zion t who's a massive inspiration for like where i'd want my sound to be it's kind of pop r&b music but it's so it's so musically technical and that's what i want to be doing so i'm right now having intense piano lessons with some of my friends who are um, professional jazz musicians and they're trying to catch me up i may have seen you in one or two work meetings not looking at the camera very (laughs) intently yeah Looking it's, it's, like you're probably playing piano. The thing is, when your music <laughs> desk is also your work desk, it's super easy to just play the yeah. piano instead of the the keyboard, if you know what I mean. Um, and um, yeah, I I've, do I've not been... know what you mean. But... <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been slacking. I've been slacking at work more than it's I should okay. Be. It's fine. We all we've all been there in quarantine. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, hopefully, about... I mean, it keeps going. What about your um? Your rap career. So, I live with two very amazing people called Billy and Harry, and they are <laughs> both filmmakers. And I've done a bit of like film work in my time, but they both do it like full time freelance. And it means that we're always kind of coming up with ideas, and they're both quite musical as well. And it meant that we have a green screen in our living room. And when this quarantine happened, one of the first things we decided was let's just write a song. And it started off as like kind of like we're going to make a silly song. And then I just started getting. I, I'm like enamored in production now and I'm like trying to catch up on years I've missed of production and music making and just trying to make this very overproduced, really professional sounding rap song. But the issue is none of us can rap. So I mean, that's a pretty big issue. <laughs> yeah. So we're trying to make a coronavirus themed rap song. So okay. I've, I've been I've been making a bunch of samples out of some news clips and different things. And I'm going to be rapping over it and trying to make a fun yet politically engaging okay. rap song okay i like it <laughs> sounds amazing awesome well we're going to be waiting with bated breath for that rap album sorry just song i guess right not a whole we'll, album yeah, we'll, we'll, well see. it depends on how it goes I if guess. it goes well then an album's coming awesome a mixtape okay mixtape um well thank you so much max for taking the time out of your busy schedule and quarantine yeah to... it's a bank holiday friday i've been very busy yeah i know we're all busy these days but um <laughs> thanks so much for uh sharing with us your music tastes i guess yeah yeah no thank you i hope it hasn't been too self-indulgent but uh, i've I been mean, waiting what, to be interviewed <laughs> that's that's what this is all about just, just letting people talk about music we all love it it's a good idea uh, oh, thank you uh thank you so much and why don't you do you want to wrap us out max 
<laughs> I wish I could rap you out, but I have no raps written. Just just do like a... I mean, I could rap us out. How about that? <laughs> I believe in you more than I believe um, in me. See you all later. No. Okay, no. We're, we're leaving it here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you so much, guys. We'll see you next time. And there will be a next time, and it's not going to be a year until the yeah when you get me on for the sequel i will um i'll I'll have a wrap ready okay awesome thank you so much bye bye